Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics that are important to our lives. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, scientists, innovators, and some people who just have fascinating stories. Today, our guests are Alan Goldsberry and his son, Stuart. Although Alan is a retired judge and Stuart is a financial consultant, Two years ago, their family was scammed out of over $230,000 by international scammers who took control over the family computer and emptied several bank accounts. They discuss how it happened and how they've been frustrated by not being able to recover the money through multiple means. Their story provides a warning to others. Stuart, your family, your mother and father predominantly, and your aunt uh, got involved in a situation where they had $233,500 taken from various accounts at one bank, Chase Bank, by people who somehow got a hold of the information to make wire transfers internationally. Uh, tell us a little bit about when this started, how long did it last, how did the mechanics work? Okay, be glad to. Uh, so in essence, my mom received an email December 16th uh, by somebody posing as a PayPal representative and that they said in the email that she received that, that she was due a credit balance something to the tune of $450 that was owed back to her from PayPal. No real explanation as to what or why that was, but that was the basis of the email that she received. That email was received at about 10.30 in the morning. Um, It showed up in her inbox. She then responded to that email saying that she had not purchased anything through PayPal. And this was shortly... Uh, before 11 o'clock that same morning. And after that, she received a phone call on her cell phone. Still unclear as to how they got her cell phone number or how they were able to reach out to her that way. But after responding to that email and to this phone call, they were able to somehow install and this was from an IT guy that came in that said it was keystroke logger software. So if you've ever had uh, on your computer where you remotely allow somebody access to your computer to 
help you fix a problem that you might be experiencing. In essence, that's what they had installed on her computer. And this, uh, as, as a result, gave the fraudsters access to my mom's computer, which so it, re it provided them remote so access. So they, they would have remote access as to uh, count numbers uh, and, and uh, certainly passwords and all of the things that are incumbent with a personal or computer. Potentially, yes. So like, for example, if you – Sometimes, a lot of times, people will go in and tell their computer to recognize them so that when you log into a cer certain website and you're trying to maybe log into your bank accounts, you've told it to remember your user ID and password. That may have been the, the case here. We're not sure. But ultimately, they then were, if you leave your computer on, with which they very directly tried to tell my mom to leave her computer on, and they're going to help work through this problem of getting this money back to her. And, and they were, as, as a result, able to log into their Chase bank account, online bank account. So it was through the email and through the telephone, the telephonic correspondence with your mom that, that got this started. Correct. Correct. So the, if I look, there are 14, I believe, uh, different transactions uh, you provided me with some documents from December 16th to January 11th, and this was back December of 2020 to January 2021. But three different accounts, three different people, but all to Thailand. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And that first, the first wire transfer was uh, initiated just shortly after noon. So in less than two hours from that first email that she received, uh, the first wire request was made. So first email was about 10 a.m. The telephone call was about 11 a.m. Uh, keep your computer on and the first uh, withdrawal, uh, inappropriate withdrawal occurred about noon. About noon on December 16th. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, this was December 16th, 17th, 18th. They skipped a few days, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 28th, 29th, 30th, January 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 11th. They just kept going. That's correct. And the thing, if you go, so I, I came in later to the situation and we'll get to that. But when I was looking at all the transfers that were taking place, in essence, they were going in, logging into the online account moving funds from one account to another to send the wire out of one account that had already been set up to send out wires. So by um, uh, and then emptying one account into another account to send the wire out of one account specifically. Okay. So in summary now, and we'll go back and get more in depth, mm -hmm. has anything happened as a result of this, any reimbursement of money from the bank, from FDIC, from uh, any criminal prosecution, anything? There has not been any at this point in time, no. And this is now two years plus. Correct. And basically, we ran into brick walls. I mean, I came back January 10th 
um, went is when I became aware of it, which was Sunday, January 10th from a conversation with my mom. January 11th, I was in the bank with my mom and my aunt, Murdith, and had a conversation with them, submitted all the fraud paperwork that they requested at that point in time. And actually, I'd had a conversation with someone on January 10th at Chase over the telephone in their fraud division. They said, don't worry about it. This is generally something that's just covered by the bank. And, and you just need to go in and talk to the people at the bank after once you're or on Monday. So and that's what we did. All but the final transfer was completed by the time I learned that this was going on. Okay, but you gave no authority. I gave no authority to anybody. No. Did anybody check with you? Nobody asked. Me. As a co-owner of the accounts, if this was appropriate. What what I'm trying to get to here is I, I think almost everybody out there in our audience has had an experience where you've been out of state or uh, and tried to use a credit card and they've either called you to check on it or denied the credit card. I mean, I had a perfectly legitimate credit card, had a dinner in New York City uh, where I hosted a couple of people, and they refused the credit card because I hadn't, you know, the bank was checking up to right. make, make sure that it was legit. But nobody checked as no, to whether this was legit. Nobody checked. And nope. all of the employees in the local branch of the bank knew me, uh, knew my wife, uh, knew that what we did in the community. Well, you've been a lawyer in this town for forever, and and also a judge, and so uh, people knew you. In fact, they they solicited your accounts, correct? Yes. Well, they had been customers of the bank for over thirty years, and had never sent a wire in that time frame, let alone an international wire to Bangkok. And didn't doesn't they don't use ATM machines and those kind of things? You would have thought that somewhere along the way, this would have put up a red flag. They have and talk about how they're there to help protect and uh, protect their clients from fraud. I would argue that they did nothing to assist them in this manner in any way. Well, let's let's talk about that a bit. Uh, you went to the local bank. Correct. You did. After talking to the fraud division on Sunday, they recommended that you go to the local bank. Uh, you and your mother and your aunt or you and your mother did that. Uh, and what was the response? Did, did they give you a procedure to go through to try to get the money? Obviously, the money stopped. Or did they just drain the accounts? Actually, there was one wire set out to go out yet that day on January 11th, and they didn't even stop that one. So it went out as as well, and I think that was about uh, that one what, was $4,000. $4, right, because yeah. that's all that was left. Because they had gone into – because I there were five different accounts, five or six different accounts – and they were going in online and moving money from one account to another to have it go out of the account that they had set up the wire instructions for. And because then they can continue to send it to the same individual over and over again. And that was the one that you were the part owner of, the one that they used to send it out, correct, Alan? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. So 
when you got to the, the local people, did they say, okay, you have to fill out these forms, uh, you have to take this action, you have to close this account? I mean, what, what were you – what instructions were you given? So, yeah, they did uh, – we completed some documents, gave those to them. They had to submit them to their fraud division, which I believe was out of Texas somewhere. Texas. And they would review those documents and then make a um, let us know what they were going to do to help us out at that point. And how long did that review take? It seems like it was a few weeks, three, maybe four weeks. You brought in a tech person to look at the computer, to evaluate the computer, to determine whether it had been compromised. In, in some way. Is that correct? That's correct. And he found that it had been compromised. And in fact, this uh, – again, you Key, used the term. Keystroke logger so software. And he said there were two different actual software programs that were installed on the computer. And he recommended that they not use this computer at all. At the, from, so they actually replaced my mom's computer as a result, my dad's computer – they replaced the um, the wi like the the Wi-Fi, yeah. um, their cell phones, everything, because they were just not sure what all and to what level, what degree things had been compromised. All these all then got turned over also to the FBI. So you started with the local police, is started that right? With city police. Okay, and and this is sort of out of their league. I, I I'm sorry, I'm giving credit to the local police, but this is international wire transfers and computer espionage uh, uh, in in a way. Uh, what did they do for you? Well, they in essence turned it over to the county prosecuting attorneys, investigators, and they they contacted uh, the federal authorities in Dayton, and uh, through them the FBI became involved. Okay, how did the FBI become involved? You know, did they come down? Did they talk to you? Did they did they? go to the bank? Did they search the records with Chase at a corporate level? What exactly, to your knowledge, did the FBI do? Well, they came to our home and they wanted to look at the phones and the computers that had been replaced. And they took those for a while and then they returned them. Uh, they, of course, interviewed us. They went to see our attorneys. We had hired attorneys uh, and the main purpose of that was to put them on uh, no, the uh, bank on notice that we didn't want any of the records destroyed or compromised because we we thought we had proof that my sister-in-law had been there and and said whatever's happening stop it and they told her not to worry about it and to leave uh, and. Um, the F at our urging, the FBI went and conferred with our attorneys. I wasn't present for that. They taught, they ha had uh, the U.S. attorney in Dayton issue some subpoenas. Uh, and they contacted me a half dozen times, usually by phone, uh, to report that uh, they had been in contact uh, with the bank in Bangkok that they said some people had shown up at the bank whose names appear 
on here on on a list that you've prepared to, uh, of people who received the money. Uh, at least the names. At that least were the used. names yes. that were used. Yes, uh, we didn't know any of these names. We'd never had any contact with Thailand or Bangkok. We'd never been there and had no reason to be there. The FBI, uh, over a long period of time, fi uh, finally told me that uh, they believed that these three names were really people that had come in and picked up the money, and they re referred to them as some kind of mules, and they were absolutely convinced that the money did not stay in Thailand, but was in fact conferred, was taken from there to India. So it was taken from your accounts were were changed around so that the money went into one account. That account was drained, uh, and it went to Thailand. Three people, who then, through some means, the FBI indicated, shipped it to India. Uh, he indicated that they thought they knew where the money had gone in India. That there were a number of other people that had experienced what we had experienced, that um, uh, there were a couple of things that were hampering their efforts. Uh, one was they had only two agents in Thailand. Uh, another was that the king of Thailand had locked everything down and would not allow the police, the, the Thai police, to do anything to help the FBI, uh, and that there didn't seem to be anything that they could do about that. So uh, the FBI traced all of this for you, it was a, a fountain of information, but they couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything. They also said that relations with India are not good presently, and that uh, while they're quite sure they know where all this money went, and it was uh, apparently uh, a lot of money because it involved a lot of people, uh, but that the Indian government uh, would flat out not help them, and that uh, they didn't expect any help, and if, if they did, if they were able to actually find uh, the perpetrators that the money would be gone and there would be no way to recover it. They gave us a number, a place you can contact to supposedly find out about your investigation, but every time I've contacted it, it just simply says it's ongoing. So it may still be ongoing, but that hasn't helped you get one cent back of, right. the, of the 233 plus. One, one other thing they told me that was quite interesting to me is they said, did you know there's $3,000 sitting in the account in Thailand right now? I said, no. The Chase Bank told us that the money was all gone. Well, there's $3,000 there. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, I don't know how you can get it back, but it's, it's there. Has the bank done uh, anything and, uh, to help you get it back? No. Uh, and I would have thought my personal bankers would uh, have inquired to make sure if there was any money. They told us there was nothing to recover. So let's just summarize here. We had this all uh, 
happened in a very short period of time. We had uh, – you contacted the local police, the county prosecutor, the FBI uh, as a result of this. You, Stuart, uh, and as well as others, I'm sure, talked with the fraud division of the bank, talked to the local bank people. Um, did the local bank people just sort of kick this upstairs and say this is corporate and we can't deal with you or or were they helpful in trying to resolve this? I would say they may have been instructed by others above them to not communicate with us after the initial report was made. I had stopped in a few times thereafter and they didn't seem terribly excited to see me or have any conversations. Um, I mean, going back to that, the FBI agent, I had spent a couple hours talking with him and he talked about how often this takes place and that it is, I mean, that these people are professional fraudsters and they're really good at what they do. They're sitting up in office buildings and in cubicles all day long trying to find somebody to, to Trying take to find money. money. Yeah, trying to take money from. And the thing that the explanation from – part of an explanation from Chase, when you establish a, a wire, so once you establish a wire, that it's, it's good to be able to send, send resend to that same individual – for a period of time. I don't I can't remember the time frame, maybe 30 days. That that's you've now approved a wire template to send to this particular individual. The thing with the way that their wires were done and if you look at the dates of which the first three wires that were sent out on the 16th, 17th and 18th were three different people. Three different people and two different accounts. Correct. And so they're suggesting that, well, this was all set up and then it, and it was agreed to. The problem with the verification process, one of the many problems in my view is they – when you go in and you can do all of this online, you can do all of it through an online account with Chase. And then for the security, it sends an email or it sends a text message for verification. When it sends a text message, it basically says, did you ask for a wire to be sent? Yes or no. Not an amount, not to who, not, not uh, I mean, incoming or outgoing. Yes, no. But that's each time. Only the initial is what they're suggesting. And then it's open once it's made for that one particular individual from that one particular account. Which is why – And that's their rationale for, for not reimbursing. Well, in part, or part, do you know? part of it, that's what they seem to – that there was a verification made that there was a yes response through a text message, but not – there was never, never any verbal confirmation made anywhere ever along the way. Like, like, like my credit card call. Correct. <laughs> you know? Correct. Yep. Is this you? And exactly. how do we know this is you? Yeah. If you yeah. try and buy a $25 item out, outside of your normal territory, they're calling you or shutting down your And I was card. in New York City, not Bangkok, Thailand. Right. But if you send a $20,000 wire to Bangkok, that's just normal business. And, <laughs> and, so, and, and repeated. You know, yes. Repeated over and, and over, over and, and over again. And the thing that, that you add on top of this, and you, you don't see it just by the wires, but 
the fact that if you looked at the activity that was taking place inside of the accounts at the bank, money was moving from one account. All of it was going to that most to that account so they could send the wire out of that account where the template has been set up. But it's emptying every other account from and, one into another. And no one checked. No one checked anything ever N- along now, the way. Now, you're, you're in financial business. Uh, this yeah. would not have happened in our institution, period. Would uh, not have happened. You, you have protocols, and I, I assume, I have of talked checking. with our fraud division more than once about this. They are shocked that Chase has not reimbursed the losses that took place. Okay, so Chase is sort of stalling, but saying no, but but stalling on other things. Um, you go to your homeowners insurance company, correct? And and uh, I've seen documents that you've had you had personal conversations. Uh, you filled out multi-page forms. Uh, what they say? They immediately said you've been scammed. And, <laughs> you knew that, and uh, it's not your fault, and you have coverage. Now we didn't have much coverage, but they paid the claim right away, uh, and uh, most of the money I got from that was used to pay my attorneys to ultimately file a suit in federal court. Okay, so. Um, there was an action taken in local court for discovery. Is that correct? No. Well, yes. Yeah, it was filed in local court, yes. But it and, was transferred and then. There's a federal statute that says these matters involving international wires are covered only in federal courts. Uh, and so the... Uh, the attorneys representing Chase got the case removed to federal court. All right. So let me just – so our listeners can follow along. You were getting no documentation from Chase, correct? Right. You were getting no uh, – I know your attorney asked for a number of things in, in several letters in several different ways. Uh, everything from videotapes to electronic transfer records to all kinds of records. And I take it before the lawsuit, you got zip, nothing. Essentially, that's correct, yes. Correct. All right. So then you and and your attorney decide, well, we've got to do, do something to find out exactly what the bank has so we might have some leverage to get some money back, right? I mean, that's right. that was the rationale. Okay, so you file this local lawsuit, but it's transferred to federal court, and basically you were asking for discovery. You were asking, and for our listeners, that means you were asking for documentation. You were asking for uh, records. You were asking for video uh, tape, anything. That, that had relationship to the case, right? Right. But you had to pay your attorney to do that. So in addition to the 233500 you had to then expend more money to have your attorney try to get the bank to be even be responsive. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Where did that go? What happened with that? 
the bank hired outside counsel uh, and essentially, in my view, uh, ordered them to play hardball. Uh, and uh, the first thing that happened when the case was filed, there was a decision about does this go to the magistrate or does it go to the judge? judge right. And uh, uh, Chase said, we do not want it to go to the magistrate. We want it to go to the judge. Well, uh, magistrates in federal court let, let people understand they handle cases quicker. Uh, they, they usually rule on matters such as discovery and other things. Uh, the federal judges are, are tied up with, with major litigation, both criminal and, and, and uh, civil. And it, you know, it takes longer to get things resolved with a judge than it does a magistrate. Would that be a correct yes. assessment? Okay. The judge assigned to the case directed the magistrate to um, see if uh, mediation could take place. Uh, and Chase refused to mediate. Now, he refused to mediate just even on giving you the documents. Now, it wasn't a mediation on the on well, the reimbursement, was it, or was were, it? They were hoping that the, the whole case could be resolved by mediation. The whole thing? The whole case. And Chase says, we're only here for discovery. We're not mediating. We won't mediate. And what then? Uh they gave us a lot of documents, and some of the documents that we thought existed, particularly videotapes, had disappeared or had never been retained. What you feared and, uh, from the get-go. <laughs> and officially, the attorneys representing the Chase, Chase claimed that they had never been put on notice that they should keep these things, so they hadn't kept them. And it's not their normal procedure to keep them for records retention for any period of time? 30 days, I think, something like that. Um, and we were at a loss as to what we could do without that. So um, there's – it's a little complicated and probably not something we should get into here, but um, without – Further proof, our attorneys believe that we our chances of winning if we filed a suit on the merits uh, were less than 50-50 and that based on what had happened with the law firm in Columbus that represented Chase, thought we would have to spend more than the loss to get the case to trial. Especially if a bank, a major bank, Banks taking a bank that takes over other banks uh, is is bankrolling their attorneys, uh, and you're out here as an individual who's already lost a quarter of a million, and and looking at investing another like sum, you know th that seems David and Goliath. We we finally decided that enough was enough, and. We folded up our tent. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I, I had discovered, I didn't know this, but I had discovered that the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, does more than just uh, pay people back when their bank goes broke 
for their losses of their deposits. They are also supposed to mediate disputes between customers and their banks, and that there's a complaint process or a, for this. I had filed on my own because my attorneys had already told me it's a waste of time. FDC won't do it. FDIC won't, won't yeah. do anything to help you. But I filed it, and they uh, answered saying that they were uh, investigating it, and they would give me an answer in like 60 days. Now, about when did you – let me again summarize. Your, your options are dwindling. The, yes. the lawsuit, financially prohibitive, bank doing nothing to, to mediate. Uh, you got some from your homeowner's insurance – uh, they won't – nobody is giving you the 3000 that's being held in Thailand. So your option is to go to the FDIC and you file that on your own. You, you're a competent lawyer and obviously know how to do that. About when did that happen in the it, it progression? Was, it was close to the point where uh, we felt compelled to – dismiss the suit, the federal suit, the matter that had gone to federal court. But while it was still pending in federal court, but before it was dismissed, FDIC gave us notice, we are dismissing your claim. Uh, we're not going to investigate it any further because we found out that you, you now have a lawsuit pending and we do not assist in these matters when there's a lawsuit pending. And uh, the answer to that, of course, was, but we aren't suing for money. You're just we're trying to get documents. For, we're only suing for documents. doesn't make any difference. Uh, it's dismissed. So after we dismissed the suit, within a month after that, I filed a, uh, another pleading asking them to reopen the case because there's no suit pending. We no longer have attorneys representing us. You were investigating, like you to continue the investigation. Uh, immediately after that, uh, Chase filed a letter, and like all of their letters, they never signed them. You don't know who, you don't know <laughs> from whom it. it is sent. Uh, filed another letter saying, it doesn't matter what you find. We think we have no liability. We haven't changed our mind. We're not going to change our mind. But in any event, FDIC – this was filed in January, by the way. Of 2023. Yes. Two uh, years after the, the initial theft. Uh, yes. And uh, the uh, FDIC said, we, we will give you an answer uh, or, or a decision. Uh, and it should be uh, – I think it said 30 to 90 days. Well, that was in January. And we've never received any answers. That's and here we are in in the beginning of May of 2023 and nothing. So do you see this as a good sign or, or, or a, a bad sign? Well, we haven't gotten no yet. Okay. So, so that's, a, that's at least uh, – It looks uh, like the FDIC is pretty busy right now with the Republic Bank. So. And, and other banks. And yeah. other banks, yeah. <laughs> so – it, it, would the FDIC – let me get this straight for our listeners. Would they 
order Chase to reimburse the money? Would the FDIC, because they're an insurance company, pay the money directly to you? How does that work, or do you know? I don't know for sure, but my assumption on reading the materials about it is that the FDIC would pay us and then bill Chase for that, uh, and uh, Chase would likely pay them back. Seward, you're you're in the financial world and you deal with money all the time. This has got to be incredibly frustrating for you to watch your mom and dad go go through this, Very uh, much so. it, it, because your procedures seem to be antithetical to to everything that we've been hearing. That's correct. Yeah, it's it's still shocking to me that that this hasn't been resolved, and that Chase hasn't just said that, yep, there was fraud involved here. And even though there was information, because I think the, the whole thing that they keep going back on is, well, there you didn't keep your passwords secure, something to that effect. Well, that that's the, I mean, the issue. Uh, there was information that was obtained, not by providing it. If somebody takes over your computer, as your expert has said, uh, and I take it the FBI and nobody has doubted that. that, nobody's, that, doubted that. nobody's doubted that. So they actually took over the computer. So any authority did not come from your mom and dad or Correct. your aunt. Whatever came came from the people who were pirating the money. They gained access to the computer and continued to use it and were, I mean, very convincing – in continuing to tell my mom that you really need to leave your computer on so that we can get this all taken care of for you. And you really just also shouldn't get into your accounts right now so that we get everything squared away. Well, obviously they were not there to help. And um, Chase has been It's just shocking to me the way that that it's been handled by Ch and locally. I mean, the fact that they had been customers in these local branches for uh, over thirty years. Yeah, I think I opened my account when I was ten years old. Yeah, so a lot longer than thirty years. Then. <laughs> and it and that my uh, my feeling being in the world of finance and money is that that personal banker has part of what they are there is to help protect their clients from things of this happening. And I don't know the systems or the inner workings of how that would happen at, at Chase, that they would be notified or they're not notified or whatever. But it seems like there should be some kind of check or in place that, okay, we've gotten these repeated requests from your, your local branch client could you check on this to make sure that this is all legit? I, I, <clears throat> None of that happened. I just purchased some real estate out of state. And obviously, we had to wire the money to the closing agent for, right. for the real estate transaction. I had to go through so much paperwork and, and uh, reassurances that this was legit before that would even happen. 
you know, it, this just doesn't seem right. So the template, I don't know if it has a dollar amount limit that needs to be there. So if it's at this amount or less, then you can use the online template. Or because like with your real estate purchase, it was likely more than $9,500 oh, or $20,000. Yeah, absolutely. So that probably required a signature as well as a verbal confirmation for Both. the transfer Both. request. And that's typically, that's the wires that we have done out of our office. Those are the requirements. These, no verbal, no signature, 100% of it was able to be done through the, the website and then the, the confirmation by either text or, or email. Okay. And I I'm, I'm just want to let our listeners know that the first transfer on December 16th was 9500 from a, an, a, one account. And then there were two on December 17th, December 18th, 10000 from the same account. And then December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 28th, 29th, they took Christmas off, 29th and 30th, all of these were for $20,000 all from the, this same account. Correct. The only reason they took the 25th was the bank was closed. So. Isn't there some system for red flagging? I I would think, but uh, they don't seem to have that in their systems. Or if they do, they're not – or they're certainly they're not, not providing sharing that, that and sharing that Correct. with yes. you. Yes. Okay. So what now? Alan, one, what, one, what, go ahead. I guess I wait and see what the FDIC says or I, I risk asking them, when are you going to give me a decision? I, I guess I could do that. But whenever one – pushes a judge, as you well know, sometimes you're afraid the answer's no. Not a good idea, yes. <laughs> Not a good idea. So you're just sitting and waiting. Um, I, I, I keep uh, thinking that somewhere, some way in the Chase, Chase system, they'll, there, there must have been other customers of theirs that experienced the same thing, that they'll come along and do the right thing. What advice do you have for people out there listening to this to protect themselves? I would say use a local bank. Period. Don't use the largest bank in the world or one of the two or three largest banks in the world. Because one local banker told me that, uh, and this is a bank that has, they're in about uh, eight or nine counties in Ohio. They said, we, we maintain a unit that watches our deposits all the time. And if somebody wants a wire transfer, lights go off and people check it out. And she said they'd go berserk if they saw somebody wanted to send money to Thailand, uh, which I don't think would be considered a friendly government necessarily. Right. Uh, and they would make sure that they had personal authority to send that money there. And there was somebody that really wanted to send it there before it got sent. And Stuart, you, I know, are are in tune with, especially now with computer scams. You know, what advice would you have for people? You got to be very careful about opening emails that don't look. And if even when you look at this email that was received, it it puts it's put off as PayPal, and they try and make an attempt at the PayPal logo and things of that nature. 
but there's always these little things that just are a little off, just a little bit off. It happens all the time, and it's frightening how how often that there's, I mean, this cyber fraud and everything that's taking place every day, all the time, right now while we're talking and everything and else. Now I'm getting texts almost every day that my Netflix account is... <laughs> Is, right. is is closed and all of these other things, you know, and, you know, even if you are really sharp at, at this, something can slip through the, the cracks. There are things that you can do as far as to, I mean, mo credit monitoring services that you can utilize, whether or not it would have caught something like this soon enough. Because uh, they did it very quickly. Yeah. I mean, it was boom, 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 boom. Yeah, less, so than, a, less than a month. Right. I mean, you might have caught it, but it may have been too late already. Uh, I guess you can try and insure against it. And so then you, I mean, you're having cost involved with those kinds of things too. So it's just, it's become, it, this, this is just something that's happening all the time. I've sat in on uh, recently actually which was also something by an FBA, FBI agent from the firm that I'm affiliated with that they offered and it was talking about cybersecurity and things of – and the different frauds – that uh, the different fraud attempts that are out there by way of the, the, the emails that are um, – they all look very legit and it may look like it's coming from a legitimate individual for you even and unless you verify – you may be at risk. Uh, you click on a – this is the thing that's scary. If you just click on something, it may enter or uh, install like the spyware or something mm -hmm. on your computer. If you don't know who it is, if you – Don't click on Don't it. open it. Don't click it. Don't open it. Delete it. Trash it. I don't know. But those are the uh, – you just have to try and protect yourself as best you can. Well, there – the Goldsberries may be close to being out of options, but they do have the FDIC uh, pending. If anybody out there listening has any suggestions for Judge Alan Goldsberry or his son Stuart, uh, why don't you email them to me? You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at Ohio. Edu, and be assured I will pass them along. Gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, you. I hope it prevents other people and I hope maybe in telling the story you get some help. Thank you. Appreciate your efforts. Today, Judge Alan Goldsberry and his son Stuart describe how international computer scammers robbed their family and the frustrations of unsuccessfully trying to get their money back. Spectrum is produced by WWB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. And Spectrum also is available through the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. 
If you have questions or comments about our podcast or have suggested topics for us to cover, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you.